A lot of children here. How many of you are a child? If you don't raise your hands, that means you're kind of dead. You're all a child. We're all children of God. We're all children. Somebody's child. Maybe people don't claim you, but you are somebody's child this morning, right? Uh, So we're talking about, uh, this is Family Sunday, we're we're continuing our series on worship, and today it's all about surrender. So I want to kind of gear this a little bit more to a younger crowd, maybe then the adults can understand it too. So, uh, okay, better boom. Uh, So we're going to talk about surrender. What does surrender mean? I'm going to give you three different definitions of surrender that apply to the message today. Surrender means to cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority. Okay, this is to cease resistance. I give up, okay, or to give over to, to or to give up or, or hand over a person, a right, or a possession. Uh, t- typically, that's uh, something that is demanded, then you, you give it up, okay? That's demanded of you. And then the third one is, and really, really goes along with our worship today, means to abandon oneself entirely to a powerful emotion or influence or to give into. So it's basically to give over to, to give up to, or to give into. And to do that, to really abandon, to really surrender, the Bible says we have to have childlike faith. Say childlike faith. And so today we're going to be looking at Matthew 17. It's a very short, I mean, I promise you it's going to be shorter than most sermons. And uh, that, that way you'll, you will not be exasperated by the time you leave. Uh, but we're in Matthew 17, we're, we're not going to look there except I want to remind you that Jesus was going about doing what he does. I mean, he was healing people. He was confronting people. He was teaching. He's doing all these wonderful things. And then in Matthew 18, we're going to be looking at the Amplified today. It says that his disciples came to ask him questions. I mean, he's their teacher, so they're asking questions. And so they're asking him this question. And it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They love to ask questions. All the time they ask questions. But a lot of times they ask questions about the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest? You know, one time they, they sent their mother. You, you, you know how this is? The mother goes and asks Jesus, uh, which one am I? Who's going to sit on the right hand and the left hand of you when you come to your kingdom? Could my, my, could my boys sit on the right and the left hand side of you, Jesus? <laughs> you know, you know how, how many of you parents know, and it may be not you. You may be just, you know somebody that does this. But your kid is not that great a player in whatever sport they're in. But they're not getting to play. And guess what? Some of the parents, they go up to the coach. How come you're not playing my son? Well, because your son stinks. No, they don't want to say that. You know, I, I'm, but you know what I mean? They can have that overbearing parent that thinks their kid is the greatest and they're not the greatest. And so they go to the coach. Well, that's kind of how the disciples were. Hey, Jesus, uh, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Is it me? You know, they're, they're kind of implying what they were really want to know because there's a little jockeying for positions in, in that, that 12 men group. OK, the, the disciples, the, the 12, they were called it almost sounds like a football team or, or a, a fan base in Seattle. Right. Or A&M, the 12. So they, they were kind of jockeying for positions. They're asking who is the greatest. And so they ask all kind of questions throughout their, their ministry. But here's the thing. You know, kids love to ask questions. How many parents go, my kid asked me a thousand questions in a day? And if, maybe it's more than a thousand. I remember we took care of a, one of our friends. They left their son with us. And we, 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 we didn't know him that well. But we said, yeah, we'll take care of Jonathan today. And he was little. And I'm telling you, he asked. I was worn out by the time. I said, when are you going to come and get this kid? He wants to know everything. Why are the leaves green? Now, I don't know that stuff. You know, why, the, why this ask you the dumbest questions. And you're like, okay. And you answer. And they finally just say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
Here's the top 10 questions. Now, I, I don't know who took this survey. I'm just gonna, it's just, it, was in, it was interesting. I found it on Google. What are the top 10 questions that children ask their parents? And I want, you can kind of try to guess it along the way, but you're not going to guess all of them. But here, number 10 is, where do babies come from? <laughs> parents, how many of you parents, your kids have already asked you where babies come from? And you dodge the question. Go ask your mother. <laughs> ask your Sunday school teacher. Ask the preacher. Don't tell him to do that. <laughs> Number nine is, is Santa Claus real? How many of your parents, your kids have asked you about Santa Claus? And you know what the answer is? St. Nicholas is real. <laughs> that's the good. That's you just tell them St. Nicholas is real. Uh, Number eight is, I love this one. This was one of my favorites. Why do I have to go to school? <laughs> right? Why do I have to go to school? Number seven. Oh, you're going to love this. And some of you, right, I've heard this one recently. Mom, why don't I have a sister or a brother? Because you, no, no more. We're done. We're done. Uh, number, oh, number six, this is something our grandson is already starting about death. He's, he's like five. He said, will I die? Or, this is the sixth question is, will you die or will I die? And so Ezra, he started talking about when we were there in California a few weeks ago, and he said, when, I want to come live with you and Mary, Mary and Papa until you die. <laughs> and so... So he already has the concept and the idea until we die. And so he says, he says a lot of things. He qualifies it. He says the other day, he said, I want to I wanna play. I want to go to UT. I want to play football. Then I want to be in the NFL for 25 years. And after, the, after that, he said, I want to be a broadcaster. I want to be a sports announcer for the next 25 years. And then he said, then I think if I'm, and then and, and Tressie said, well, what do you want to do after that? And he said, well, if I'm still living, I want to work at Chipotle. <laughs> Oh, man. Kids say the darndest things. I used to love that show with Art Linkletter. Uh, number five is, why do people do bad things? Your kids ever ask that? And you look at your kids and say, why do you, bad, why do, you do bad things? Why do, you, why do people do bad things? And, isn't that a great question for kids? Why do they do that, Mom? Dad, why did they just hurt somebody? Why did they do that? Why, why do People do bad things. Here's a good one, and you don't want to have this one in your house, and if you do, you need to talk to pastor. What does blank mean, and why can't I say it? Mm, anybody ever hear that one? Oh, that's an adult word. We only, only adults can say that word. Y'all can fill in the blank on that one, right? It's usually a cuss word. How come you can cuss and I can't? Because I said so. That's a terrible answer. And I heard that. Anybody ever heard that when your parents? Do like I say, not like I do. Right? All right, that's number four. This is a good one. I always wondered this when I was a kid. Why do things cost money? <laughs> you mean electricity? We just flip it off and on. We have to pay for that? The water that comes out of the faucet? How many of you, when you were a kid, you never thought about the water coming out of the faucet costing your mom and dad money, did you? Yeah, turn out the lights. Why? It's just electricity. It just, you know. Okay. Uh, number two, why do I have to go to bed? Y'all heard, how many of you heard that last night? <laughs> why do I have to go to bed? Because you need your sleep. Why do you need your sleep? Because your body, I don't know. Just go to bed. Right? And then the number one answer, I, I would never would have guessed this, and I probably could have guessed somewhat most of those, but the number one answer and it kind of hit home. And it wasn't, why do I have to go to school or anything like that? It was, why is that man sleeping on the street? 
that scared me. Thank you. Just all quiet. Good job. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Uh, think about it, though. Your kids ever wonder, why is that man holding the sign on the side of the road? Why are those people sleeping under the bridge? And so kids ask a lot of questions. So the disciples, I want to repeat that question they ask. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, for some reason now, we like to identify the greatest people. And it, this just happened. It just seemed like yesterday I started hearing this term goat. You know what I'm talking about? The greatest of all time. And it started coming up more and more when I heard about Tom Brady. He's the, he's the goat. And I said, well, no, he's good. <laughs> he's really good. No, he's, he's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. And so the debates start happening. Who's the greatest basketball player? Is it Michael, uh, is it Michael Johnson or is it or Michael Jordan? <laughs> Who's the greatest singer of all time? Michael Jackson? Who's Michael Jordan? Uh, anyway. Or LeBron James? Who is, who is it the greatest of all time? And, and you, know where that, you know where the phrase came from? Because when I was growing up, Randy, and I know it's for you, it was the kid that missed the field goal. It was the kid that caused the penalty, that lost the game. It was the kid that struck out when the bases were loaded, and they were about to win the game, and he strikes out, or he makes a stupid mistake. It's usually a stupid mistake, and they call him, you're the goat. You don't want to ever be called the goat in a sporting event until now. And it means greatest of all time because Muhammad Ali's wife decided we need to make money off of that because he called, he's, he self-named uh, himself the greatest, I'm the greatest of all time. You know? Flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest man. Oh, I'm the greatest fighter of all time. And his wife, and his, and his wife took that and made a corporation out of it back in 97, and she got, got a hold of the rights to that, greatest of all time. But you know what? Man is not really the greatest of all time. Jesus is the greatest of all time, by far. And so they're asking him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus responded in verse 2. He called a little child and set him before them. He called a little child. You know, Jesus was always surprising people. Hey, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Hey, kid, come here. Sits the kid down. Oh, what's he doing that for? Can you imagine the disciples? We're asking him a serious question to get the kid up here. Gets a little child up here and sits him down in their midst. And they're like, why? See, they're scratching their heads because children were nothing in Jewish custom. They were just like a commodity. They were like, you got them, you got to have, you got to feed them until they grow up and that, so they can be worth something. But right now, they're just kids. Jewish society, kind of like in China, kids, children, especially girls, are just not worth anything until they're grown up and they can work. And that's how they were treated in this society. So why would Jesus call a little child to come up and sit in their midst? And why would he say the things that he's about to say? Here's the thing about little children. Little children are kind of abandoned. You saw they didn't care if you were watching them up here. They were up here picking their nose or they're swinging the flag. They didn't care. You know, it didn't mean he didn't call. He said, because this child's perfect. He says, because I want a little child up here because they're pure. They, 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 don't, they don't have a preordained mindset about things. See, it's so good when you get a hold of kids and you can teach them about Jesus because they don't have a preset mindset, a religious mindset. I, I love it when people come to Jesus, even when they're older, and they say, well, I've never been to church before. And I go, good, because you haven't been sopped with a religion. And, you know, you haven't been poured with legalism and all this stuff. And you can come to God like a child. He says, he sets his child in front of them. 
child didn't question Jesus. Child didn't go, what do you want from me, Jesus? Right? Didn't say the child, oh, you want me to come? There, Jesus, I'm out of here. Right? He didn't say that. What it says, he said he just came, and he sat him right down there in front of him. How many times God's called you and you've run? How many times have you, God's called you and Jesus has called you, and you said, no, nah, I'm busy right now? See, a child won't do that. Child, they had this different kind of a heart. And so God says, he sets a, a little child in front of them. And then verse 3, he says, and Jesus said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless you repent, say repent. That is change your inner self, your old way of thinking, live, live, change lives and become like children. Say become like children. Trusting, humble and forgiving. He says, unless you become that way, you will what? Never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is serious stuff, children. He said, if it lets you to repent first, you know, people come here and they go, man, you preach on repentance a lot. Well, it's in the Bible a lot. And he said, you can't even get into the kingdom without these two keys. You've got to repent and then you've got to become like a child. That's the two, that's the two things that Jesus says right here. If you want to get into the kingdom of God, you've got to repent and you've got to become like a little child. So he gives us these, these keys. He gives us the keys to the kingdom. Anybody ever try to start a car with the wrong key? Or try to open your house, start getting into your house with the wrong key? And you know what I have? We have two cars with key fobs. And they're both Nissans. And I'm forever pushing the wrong one. Anybody ever have to see? I've got two on here because I don't know which car I'm always going to be driving. So if Mary Lou says, let's go to the store or let's go out to eat. So I'm driving her car. And sometimes she drives mine. And I get up there and and then I got to turn it around. Isn't that hard? I got to turn it around. Figure out. How many of you ever, you just put to push the wrong button every time the first time is the wrong one? Are the USB cable. You know the USB cable? It, it's got the little thing you just plug it in. Every time, 99 times out of 10, I push the wrong side and then I got to flip it over and turn it in. Anybody else besides me? And you just kind of go, what are the odds? What are the odds? And are just plugging in something into the wall. I'm just like, <laughs> got to turn it over and plug it in. I'm just thinking, man, our pastor not too smart. <laughs> okay, I'll put some red fingernail polish on those, and that would be yours, right? Then I would know which car is yours. Just a dot. Just a dot. Okay. Thank you, Mimir. I appreciate that information. Here's the thing. They were asking about the kingdom. And Jesus said, hey, before we talk about the kingdom, let's talk about how you get in there. Okay? They were saying, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? He said, well, let's back up. Bring a kid up. Let's talk about how you get there first. First, you've got to repent. You've got to change the way you think. Then you've got to become like a little child. The New King James Version in that verse says, unless you are converted and become as a little children. So I think that's interesting. God says, before you can come to the kingdom, you've got to be converted to become a child. Isn't that crazy? You know, Paul says, grow up, get off the milk, get off, get, get on to the meat. All the time we're talking about maturity in this church, talking about growing up in Christ. And, and you know, you don't tell your children, I, I want you to get, get childlike again. No, you say, grow up, kid. When they're doing something stupid like they've done and now they're 16 or 17 and they really start doing stuff that's stupid, you say, I wish you would just grow up. How many of you ever said that to your kids? How many of your parents said that to you? 
Now, I wish you would just grow up. And yet here Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to grow up. I'm asking you to kind of go backwards and come back to that place of childlike faith. Now, Jesus, you have to understand this. When he's talking about becoming like a child, he's not, he's not saying become like a brat. He's not saying become like a, a selfish little brat or a kid that falls on the ground. What? Yes, I can have the snow cone now? Yes. They can turn it off and turn it on like that, right? Guess what? We do that too. Yeah, don't be punching your wife now. Don't be elbowing your wife. <laughs> he's not talking about that. He's talking about, he's talking about a child that's pure, that's innocent. You know, children really don't see color. You, you get, get five different nationalities of kids and get them a soccer ball. Then I can be, oh, you can't kick that because you're black. You can't play with that because you're brown. You can't do that because you're yellow. They don't do that. They don't see color. Now, adults show up and they say, you know, we start seeing color. And they're just abandoned to do whatever's in their heart to do. How many of you have kids? How many of you remember as a kid? I remember this as a child. When you had, we had bunk beds for a little while. Daddy would come in the room. We'd build on the top bunk. Guess what? My dad would walk in there and we'd go, catch me, Daddy. Woo! Right? We didn't think about how far it was down. We didn't think about my dad's not going to catch me. Y'all getting what I'm saying? How many of you can, y'all know that? You jump. Or you, you get your kid, and you shouldn't do this. I know chiropractors are really against it. But you get your kid, you go, whoo, whoo, and you catch him. And they're, ah, do it again. You know that famous word, do it again. Do it again, do it again. And you're like, I might drop you next time, kid, because this is the 20th time I've done this. But kids just trust. We're not so trusting. See, God says take a leap, and we don't want to leap. He told Peter, Peter had childlike faith. He said, Peter, step out of the boat. Come on. Yeah, I'm coming. Kaboosh, stepping out the water. He had to have that childlike faith, and then he became an adult. Good bloop. That's why they call him Petra the Rock, because he could sink so well. <laughs> but he had childlike faith for a little bit, right? And then he became an adult. Y'all getting what I'm saying? And, and I've said this before. God gave me this revelation. He says, you know, we saw, we, we all, oh, he took a leap of faith. Look, if you're taking a leap of faith, you're already in his hand, right? So all you're doing is jumping around in his hand. It's like being in that trampoline park. You can't get hurt there. You know what I'm talking about? How many have been to the trampoline park? How many of you can afford to go to the trampoline park? $18 to jump around? Okay, it's awesome. But you, you, wherever you fall, it's padded. Y'all get my drift? You're in his hand and you're leaping and you're doing something by faith. He is not going to, oh, oh, man, I dropped him. Jesus, I'm so, I, did you see I dropped Pam? Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? He just doesn't drop us. He's got you in the palm of his hand, church. It says nobody can even take you out of his hand. Verse 4, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So the keys with God, it's so important. Listen, repentance and humility are huge in the kingdom of heaven. 
They're huge in the kingdom of God. They're huge in the church of God. Repentance and humility. It comes from me all the time because, listen, when we start, when we step out of humility and start walking into pride, we get in trouble. We get ourselves in trouble. And, and children are not so prideful, are they? They, they just don't care if they, if, they, if they fall in the mud. They just play in the mud. I get a little mud on my shoes. I've got the hose out. And Mary Lou, get the, let's get this cleaned up. You know, kids are not like that. Kids can handle messy a lot better than adults. And the lady says, you haven't seen my husband. He loves messy. <laughs> <laughs> Repentance is huge with Jesus. So is humility. You know, we're talking about worship. There's no pure form of worship than humility. Because humility is this. It means to bring down one's pride to make low. And you know what worship is? To get down low. To bow down before the, before the king. So humility is a beautiful form of worship. So how do you know if you're humble? How do you know if you're not walking in pride? Well, I'm just glad you asked. I've got a little list here for you. I want to ask you some questions, and we're almost done, okay? And I want to caution you. I want to put a little um, alert. What's that called where you're going to spoil a spoiler alert? Uh, please don't think of this for somebody else. You hearing me? You feeling me? Don't be thinking of this for your husband, your wife, or your kids. Think of it for you. I had to read this for me. You're going to have to listen to it for yourself. And here's 14 things that if you're guilty of something, and if it's multiple things, you might want to consider uh, repenting. Number one is, do you assume you already know something when somebody's trying to teach you? Do you already, do you assume that you already know something when somebody else is trying to teach you something. You're not teachable. You don't have a teachable spirit. Number two, have you ever seen yourself as too good for a certain task? And I, I will admit, I don't see myself as too good for most tasks. I just see myself as too ignorant for some. That's supposed to be funny. I'm not too good to, to, to get under a sink and, and fix some plumbing. I'm just too ignorant to. And I know if I get under there, water's going to start flowing. And my wife's going to start, ah, what are you doing? Call the plumber. Why would you even think? You know, I just don't, there's certain things I don't, I can put plants in a pot all day long. I know how to fertilize plants. I know how to water plants. But I'm not going to do plumbing or electrical work. I'll call people to do that. But some of you, you're too good to do certain things like clean a bathroom or mop a floor or feed the homeless. Oh, that's good for somebody else. See, it doesn't really take a lot of intelligence, but it does take a willing heart in humility. Number three. Oh, this is a good one. Probably most of us have been guilty of this. Have you ever been too proud to ask for help? Albert's going, yeah. How many of you have been too, you've been, you've been too, you said, I don't need help. I got this. Most husbands before GPS. Yeah, I knew I was, yeah, this is my husband did that. 
We would drive and drive and drive before we would pull into the convenience store and ask old Joe at the counter, how do you get to Oak Street? You know, we just keep driving. I got this, baby. I know. Give me that map again. GPS has helped a lot. Asking for help. Are you too prideful to ask for help? Is there a situation in their life you're going through? And you know, man, I can beat this addiction. I don't need anybody's help. I can do this. And Jesus said, well, I put people in place to help you get through that. But if you want to try it on your own, keep trying. But I've got a way. I've got some help for you. And we try to do it ourselves, right? Number four. Do you feel like you have to constantly teach people? Hmm. That means you know a lot more than anybody else. Number five, do you talk about yourself a lot? Sure, it's quiet in here. <laughs> you talk about yourself a lot. You know, you, you meet somebody and they don't get a word in edgewise because you're too busy telling them about you. It could be a problem with pride, okay? Have you ever thought that you were better than someone else? Because I got a news flash for you. You aren't. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're not. Uh-uh. No. Say, no. I'm not better than you and you're not better than me. See, some of you are too prideful to even do that. I don't need to tell them. Right? Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not better than you. That's better. Number seven, do you ignore the advice other people give you? <laughs> snicker, snicker, snicker. Are you critical in judging of others? You might have an, an issue with pride. Do you constantly need attention? I'm going to move right on. Are you unable to receive criticism, either good or bad? Some people, you know this thing called false humility? Somebody wants to, they say something good about you. Oh, you know, you know, just like defer it. But all the time you're going, yeah, come on, give me some more. Give me some more. It's called false humility. Uh, are you, have you been overly obsessed about how you look? Have you? Are you unwilling to submit to your authorities or obey them? That's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, but he's my boss and he's not very nice. I don't care. The Bible didn't ask you if your boss was nice or not. He said to submit. You work for him, give him a good day, give him, give him the best day you can. Convince them of your character that's in Christ. Do you ignore others when they speak to you? Wow. I love our church because people speak to people all the time here. They just, I just see it all the time. But if you're one of those people that uh, only spoke, you're, you only speak as spoken to, you may have an issue with pride, okay, or a lot of self-confidence. Are you, last one, are you quick to make excuses for your sin instead of admitting it? Remember King Saul? He didn't want to admit anything. King David, he admitted everything. There's that 
pride in Saul and that humility in King David. God says in James, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So God gives us warnings all throughout the scripture about pride and humility. Verse 5. Whoever receives and welcomes one child like this is in my name receives me. Now that's, we're going to stop there because you think about what Jesus had just said. Become like a child. Be converted like a child. Repent. Become like a child if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, whoever receives and welcomes one child. I'm sure he may have even appointed to, pointed to this child that was in front of him. He, when you receive a child like this, you receive me. And you receive him in my name, you receive me. And like, Can I get just a little plug in here for the children's ministry? Infants and toddlers and children's ministry. Some of you have been called to go and minister to children and work with children. And guess what? You think you're not good. You're too good or you're not good enough. You got false humility. You got too much pride. And God's called you. He said, I want you to go and help them. We've been asking, asking for people. Would you will, would you, are you willing to go serve in our children's department? Listen, this is great that you come here and get fed, but there's a time to be fed and there's a time to serve. Did you know that's why we have fam- family Sunday? Because four weeks out of the month, these people are down there. They don't get to come up here very often and get get what you're getting today. They don't get to come in here and worship with adults. They're down there taking care of your children. So I'm calling you. I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. I'm going to put a God trip on you. And you be obedient to what he's saying for you to do. Can you you love a little child? That's all I'm going to say about that. Because Jesus said, when you take care of a child, you're taking care of me. You know, he says also, when you, feed the, when you feed the hungry, you're feeding me. When you clothe the naked, you're clothing me. When you go and visit those in the hospital or those in the prison, you're doing it for me. He says, that when you've done it for the least of these, you've done it unto me. We've got to start getting our eyes off of what we want and what we think we're supposed to, what we want to do and what we want to uh, please ourselves. And we've got to start pleasing God and doing what God's called us to do in the kingdom of God. And he said, you've got to become like a little child. Can a little child, can a little child make those decisions? You know what they can do? They say, what do you want me to do? I'm ready. That's childlike faith. Give me the football. I can throw it. They can't throw it two feet, but they want to throw it because they think they can throw it. Childlike faith. Let me tell you, we're going to close with this. Let me tell you about humility. Because you know it's on my heart so many times. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you. Say, let this mind be in me. Listen to that. He says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. The same mindset that Jesus had, he wants, Paul says, I want you to have that same mindset. And this is what he says. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Mm -mm. What he's saying is, I I could do what I wanted to do as God, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this as man with with the power of the Holy Spirit. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, the name which is above every name. 
That in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If that's the picture that God, if that's the mind that God wants us to have, that's the mind that we should want to have. And that's the mind of Christ. It's a mind of humility. It's a mind of servanthood. Would you stand this morning? The greatest of all time, Jesus Christ, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. The greatest of all time, Jesus Christ says, not my will, but yours, Father, be done. Would you say that this morning? In childlike faith, I just bless you right now with childlike faith that says, with Christ, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Would you believe that? Would you believe for that this morning? Would you be ready to jump when Jesus says jump? Would you be ready to leap when he says leap? Would you be ready to say, I'm going to share my testimony when he says share your testimony? Well, God, it's not a very good testament. Just share what Jesus has done in your life. Lord, I don't know if I can do much with these children. Can you just love children and say, can you sing Jesus loves me? Can you teach them Jesus loves me? God's calling you to serve today. And you can say, I'm done. I don't want to do that. Or you can say, here I am, Lord. I'm a little child. I want to walk in obedience. Can we have the ministry team up to the front? Come on. It's a while back, my wife was at a church service at another church, and I think Betty was teaching. And she heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to run around the building. Run around the building. You remember that, Pam? What does an adult think when God tells you to run around the building? Huh? What does an adult think? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's embarrassing. What are people going to think? Here goes Mary. <laughs> I mean, if I would have been there, I'd probably gone, oh my goodness, what's going on? Why? You know? And then right as she was thinking that, Betty said, Holy Spirit's telling me that somebody's been told to run around the building. Guess what my wife did? She took off running. She took off running. She was just obedient like a little child. Some of you have never came to, come to the place of abandonment. You, you, you're just still holding back. Because you think, if I abandon myself, then I don't have control. And God says, exactly. I don't want you to have control. I want you to get over to me. I want you to give up. Surrender. Some of you, some of you don't even want to hold your hands up before the Father when He says, lift your holy hands. And you think, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be told to lift my hands. But I'm not telling you the Word of God says to do it. And you fight even that little thing because, well, 
That's just so immature. Sometimes God wants us to be a little bit immature in some areas. That's why he said, I want you to humble yourself like a little child. Well, it's just not my style. What is your style? Because he said, your style should be the mind of Christ. biggest breakthrough in my life came when I began to be advantaged to worship and I quit thinking about what sister so and so and brother so and so thought about me lifting my hands and shouting once in a while or jumping up and down I just didn't change my life and he can change your life today because that's an expression of your love for him How many grandpas do we have in here? How many grandpas? If your kid comes running, if your grandson comes running to you and he lifts up his hands, do you go, get away from me, kid? Why are you doing that? That is so immature. You come to me as a little gentleman. No, you grab him. Just grab him. You hug him. Is that your child? That's your grandchild. Close your eyes this morning. Father, give us, take us back to that place of a childlike heart that we don't really care what people think. That we can come to that place of really purely worshiping you in spirit and in truth, not as a show, of course not but in abandonment to you. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. All to him, I freely give. And I give him my worship today.